This morning, uh, we have Dr. Carlos Tellez, who uh, is going to be speaking, and he is uh, brand new to the Northwestern com- uh, community uh, here. It began this fall um, and is a professor um, in the Christian Ministries Department. Let me tell you a little bit about Carlos, and then we're going to invite him up and pray for him. So Carlos um, has planted and led a multi-ethnic house church in Northeast Atlanta prior to coming to Northwestern. He's lived half of his life in Latin America, Colombia, and Honduras, and half in the United States. He's worked for several years at Grace College in Indiana, where he actually served as the Dean of Chapel and directed the Office of Global Initiatives. Um, And then he's also served on a couple different church planting teams. Uh, You'll see a picture of his family in a moment, but he's married to Emily together. They have four kids, Sarah, Lucas, Julian, and Mateo. And they live, uh, they've lived in Indiana, Ohio, Georgia, and now are new to Minnesota. They also have a dog named Jazz. I just love that. That's awesome. Um, let me just, uh, lastly here, uh, Carlos uh, enjoys anything related to football. So the real football, as you'd say, watching, playing, coaching. Uh, he actually has a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So be careful. Pay attention this morning. And he also enjoys reading and drinking coffee, a man after my own heart, and hanging with friends and family. So would you please give a very warm Northwestern welcome to Dr. Carlos Tellez. <laughs> And I want to invite you, would you extend a hand just as a sign of your participation as we pray over our brothers he speaks this morning. So Father in heaven, we do want to praise you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you indeed have never failed. I thank you that in all of your promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And Jesus, you have commanded us to love one another as you have loved us. Thank you that your command actually carries with it the very grace to equip us to make that possible for us to obey. And I pray, uh, Father, that as you have brought Carlos here to this community and today here in chapel, that you would fill him afresh right now with your Holy Spirit, that he would experience uh, your favor smiling down, shining upon him and through him to us, God. And may our hearts be uh, ready and healthy soil to receive your word of truth spoken with grace and love through Carlos to us. And Father, that your word would take root in our lives and that it would produce kingdom fruit that would last for your glory. So God, we give you now our full attention and we love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for the invitation. So Justin told me that um, the thing he wants to do the most is he wants this to be the most memorable chapel of the whole year. So I'm going to jump into the pit. And uh, <laughs> disappearing act. <laughs> hey, so um, I'm curious. I, I, I want to ask you a question. Can you think of a family tradition, a family tradition that you have that you love inviting other people into who are not part of your family? Can you think of any family tradition that you like inviting other people who are not part of your family? I just wanted to show you a picture of my family here. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, one of the things that we really enjoy doing, uh, well, this is one of my favorites because now everyone has opinions in my family because uh, they're getting older. Um, some very strong opinions in my family now. I have a 14-year-old. Um, 
And one of my favorite traditions is we, uh, I, anyone, did anyone grow up in Latin America? There's something called villancicos. Anyone, do, anyone know villancicos? Villancicos are like uh, Christmas songs. And we, uh, we have a bilingual family, bicultural uh, family, and so we do villancicos, which are these special Christmas songs that we sing and, uh, during Christmas time. And I love inviting people into that, and I love for them to actually get to experience that with us. Because, you know, we sing, and we put out other instruments, and it's noisy, it's chaotic, and it's super fun, and we think about Jesus, we celebrate Jesus, and so it's super fun. That's something I, like, I don't know what your family tradition is. So we've been in this uh, issue of the one another's. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about how the one another's, because normally when we talk about the one another's, we think of them in terms of the one another's within the church, right? We typically say, hey, love one another. Have you ever thought about how one another's relate to people outside of the church? How do the one another's relate to people outside of the church? Are we called to love one another even if it's outside of the church? Well, I'm gonna say, yes, we are. And actually, we're gonna look at a passage today that's gonna give us some principles as to how to do the one another's with people outside of the church. So much like a family tradition that we invite other people into, the one another's um, are a family set of values that we invite other people into, right? And we practice this with other people. So I'm gonna invite you to turn in your Bibles or your electronic device or your papyrus to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, no papyrus, technology. Romans chapter 13. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, tell you something interesting about this passage. I have read Romans so many times and until a couple years, I promise you, I think the Apostle Paul wrote him back in the, in the first century and then he like snuck him in there because I had not seen these verses there. I don't know what happened, but I just, if, if anyone had read these, past, these verses to me, I would have said that's from some other part of the Bible. Romans 13, when I think of Romans 13, it talks about, what, what do you think when you think of Romans 13, anyone? Government, right? Our relationship to the government. But then you have verses eight through 10. So we're gonna look at Romans chapter 13, verses eight through 10, just three verses, and we're gonna talk about three principles. But here's the deal, I'm gonna need your help because I need you to shout back at me because I want to. Because I want you to shout back at me. Um, it's, it's what we do at home. Everyone's always shouting at me, so I just, if you wanna make me feel at home, you're gonna shout at me, okay? So I have three principles, and I'm gonna hold you accountable to these three principles, all right? So uh, Romans chapter 13, and it's three simple verses, three simple principles, and we're gonna um, kinda talk about them Together. So the context again, Romans 13 is talking about the Christian responsibility toward the civil government, right, toward the civil government. So this is mainly related to those outside of the church. And it starts with verses one through seven talking about the responsibility to the government. But then verses eight through 10, what we're gonna look at, is also our civil responsibility toward our neighbors, those who are not within the fold of the Christian faith, those who are outside of our faith community and we're gonna see that we actually have some responsibilities toward them. So, we're just gonna read one by one, so let's start with verse eight. So, Romans chapter 13, verse eight. Let no debt remain outstanding, 
Accept the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. All right, so in the context of this, if you go back, it says, let no debt remain outstanding. So it's talking about a general principle of, yes, it is good and right for us to pay our debts. That's a, a, a general principle, it's good for us to pay our debts, but that's not what it's talking about in this context. It's not talking about just any general debt. It's actually really connected to the prior verse. So look at verse, um, look, look at verse um, seven. It says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So it's simply putting it in the context of, we have these debts to people. Our debt to the government is, is submission. We have this debt to the government. We have debt to other people, and, and so we have a debt of honor. That's, that's right and good for us to check off. Those are the, you can check off, those of you who love lists, this part, this first part of the verse, you can, these are the responsibilities you can just check off, right? Oh, well, I paid my taxes. You know, that's, that's fairly easy if you have TurboTax, um, or, if, or if you have an accountant, that's fairly easy, and if you have a job, too, that helps. It's fairly easy, it's something you can just check off, right? But that's not the drive of this passage. Move on for, uh, the next part says, accept the continuing de debt to love one another. So it's saying there are some debts that are really easy to pay, there are other debts that you have a continual debt to keep paying it and paying it and paying it, and this one you cannot check off. This responsibility you cannot check off, and what is that responsibility? To love one another. This is the one you can't check off. It's not as easy as paying your taxes with TurboTax. It's not that easy. This one is going to be a lot more complicated, and it's a continuing one, so you have to keep doing it and doing it. So what is that debt? It's to love one another. But again, this is in the context of people outside of the church. So it's talking about non-Christians, and so it's saying, hey, you have a responsibility of a continuing debt of love to the non-Christian, to your neighbor. You, you have to love them. You go, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean I have a responsibility to love my neighbor? What, what have they ever done for me? Nothing. They've never done anything for you. You still have a debt to them. And it's, it's actually, this, the, the first principle I wanna, I wanna bring out, it's, it's, it's actually uh, in Romans uh, 13, eight, it's, I would call it an IOU kind of love. First, my first principle is IOU. So everyone say IOU. Oh, there's like three of you in here. Everyone say IOU. Okay, that's more like it. That feels more like family, okay? It's an IOU. What is an IOU? It's a document, for those of you business majors, it comes from the business world, it's a document that you give to others that you say, okay, well, I owe you something, so I'm gonna give you this document that says that I owe you something, but you go, okay, but I, owe, I don't owe them anything. Well, actually you do, because, see, what hap what's happening here is Christ died on the cross and he paid for my sins so that I now have to pay it forward. And my payment, my return of love for what Christ has done for me, now he's saying, now you extend that to others. Right? We have a responsibility to love others because Christ has loved us first. My dad is a very, very generous person. He loves giving things. So one day he comes to Atlanta, where we lived back at the time. He comes to Atlanta and he says, uh, we, we put him in a room, we didn't do this on purpose, I promise. 
We put him in a room, and we were in the dead of winter in Atlanta, so it was like 60 degrees. I mean, it was awful, right? What, is winter worse here? Ah. Anyway, so it's the dead of winter, and accidentally, we shut off the vents to the room, right? So it was actually cold, and we had just bought the house, so when you stand in front of those windows, like you can still feel a draft, right? The windows were just not protecting, not keeping the heat at all. And so my dad goes, after that, like, he comes out in the morning, he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, it was really cold. And he says, um, he's like, I, I, you, you need new windows. I'm like, yeah, I know, dad, but, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of on this high-paying salary job of a pastor. Um, I, you know, I, he goes, uh, no, you know, I, he's, just get the windows. I will help you. I'm like, yes, okay. So we, we go and start looking for the windows. And so we found a place, and this is several thousand dollars, right? And so my dad says, all right, but, but I don't know if you've ever had a friend or a, or a relative who is like this, but my dad comes through most of the time, but sometimes not so much, yeah? So my dad says, hey, why don't you go ahead and put it on your credit card and I'll pay for it. And I was like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea, because it's several thousand dollars, and I'm going to get stuck with this debt, right? Well, thankfully, we actually put it on a credit card, and my dad actually paid for it, and we were able to pay those people. But actually, that, that kind of reminds me of the IOU kind of love. We are commanded to pay for things ourselves and trust that our Heavenly Father is going to supply the resources so that we actually have money in the account so that we can pay out what we owe to others. So why do we forgive a person who's never done anything good for us? Because my Father in Heaven has forgiven me. Why do we love others? Because my Heavenly Father has loved me. So we do to others as my Heavenly Father does to me. But that's hard, that's really hard because I don't, sometimes I don't wanna forgive people, I don't wanna be nice to people who are jerks to me, right? Well, we do it trusting that our Heavenly Father is going to supply the funds for me to be able to do it. So the first principle, Romans 13 verse eight, is what kind of love? There's one person I, I heard. What's the first principle? Thank you. All right, verse nine. Verse nine. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Exodus chapter 20, God gave uh, the people of Israel through Moses this 10 commandments. And these 10 commandments are actually kind of a capsule of 613 other commandments throughout the Old Testament. And this capsule is divided into two parts, one toward God and one toward people, right? Toward God, we, the first five commandments are, have to do with God, the, the second set of five commandments have to do with people. That's why when Jesus came in Matthew 22, chapter 37 through 40, he says, what sums up the law? Love God, love people. But Paul picks, on, picks up on this, and he's gonna focus on the commandments that have to do with people. And he na- names four out of five. Did you catch which one he didn't say? It's thou shall not steal. That's the one he didn't, he didn't mention, right? 
So four, he says four out of five, and then he's saying, look, the commandments, the, all commandments that have to do with people, all the commandments that have to do with anything actually are summed up in love. If you love God and if you love people, you are good to go. That's, that's all you need. All the commandments, if you take from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi, if you, look, if you think of, of all that, all those pages, that is summed up in love God, love people. That's a, that's a very quick summary of the law and the prophets. Love God, love people. And so Paul is saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna t- think about this idea of loving people. And he says, there's actually one commandment that sums up the whole thing that God says about loving people. And what is it? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do you know where that uh, was first stated? You know what book that comes out of? It's the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 19.18 says, love your neighbor as yourself, which is interesting because Leviticus also has any more laws than any other book in the Bible. And the, but the book that has all those laws actually has that kernel that says, hey, if you can't remember all these laws, remember this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the second principle, what was the first principle? And the second principle, the first principle came from the business world. The second principle actually comes from the government world. More specifically, Pawnee, Indiana, government world. Let's have a look. T-Mobile. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year. The second principle. Well, what was the first principle? The second principle is, we have to say it with an attitude though. You guys ready to say it with an attitude with me? Ready? Treat yourself. All right, let's, let's hear that attitude. I, I, like some of you are like looking at me like, I wanna hear it with an attitude, ready? Go. I like the attitude, I like the attitude. The second principle is treat yourself. Now, Obviously, by the way, I, I, I Googled this, and there's actually a whole, like, people who actually do this for real. I mean, it's a show, Parks and Rec, it's a show, but actually people have taken this and, and, and started doing it for real. People have, like, treat yourself days um, now, and it's become kind of an industry, really. But I don't wanna, I don't wanna go the industry route on this. The, the, what I want us to remember is the way you would wanna treat yourself is the way you should be treating your neighbor. <laughs> right? The way you wanna treat yourself is the, wanna be you, the way you should be treating your neighbor because it says right there, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, biblically speaking, love of self is assumed. It's assumed, it's assumed that we're going to love ourselves, we're gonna love what we're gonna, we're gonna treat ourselves with kindness, we're gonna treat us, that's, that's typically assumed, right? So this is not a message to, hey, you need to love yourself a little better. Rather, it's, hey, the way you think about loving yourself, please make sure you go and love other people. Now, this kind of gets confusing because you can say, well, I like chocolate, so I'm gonna give this other person chocolate. It's not, I'm not talking about preferences. 
I'm not talking about preferences. I'm not talking about if you like flowers, then give flowers. If you like Starbucks, give Starbucks. That's not what I'm talking about. Not in preferences, but in principles, right? It's a principle. The way you want to be treated, if you want to be forgiven, maybe you should think about forgiving others. If you want someone to uh, give you the benefit of the doubt when you said or you posted that picture or posted that um, tweet or whatever is going on these days, um, whatever it is, if you, wanna, if you want people to give you the benefit of the doubt, you should give the benefit of the doubt to other people. You should treat others as you treat yourself in the sense of principle. Not preferences, but principles. Now, that is, is, is important when it comes to an individual. But I also want to extrapolate it and think about your neighbors. I mean, th think about this. Your neighbor is not just one person. The neighbor is anyone who is not you. So this could be individual or it could be corporate. And when we think corporately, there's also another principle that comes in. So what, what happens when I want to think about loving people corporately? That's when we start thinking about things like the flourishing of a community, right? So instead of just thinking about what is good for me, then corporately we start thinking what is, what is in the best interest of this community, right? It's the flourishing of the community, not just the, th the, the flourishing of an individual. We think collectively, not just individually. So our first principle was? With an attitude. The second principle was? And the third principle, we're gonna look at, look at verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to the neighbor. So the, the past two commands have been in the positive, right? You, you, um, you, you owe something to another person because God has given to you, right? You treat others positively because you want to be treated positively. The third command actually is a negative command, and it says love will cost you to do no harm to anybody. To do no harm. Do no harm. And that's, that's a little bit complicated because... Um, Doing no harm is actually a little trickier than it sounds, right? So the third principle, I'll tell you about the principle. The principle is do no harm. And actually this comes from the, from the medicine world, right? Where doctors sign what's called the Hippocratic Oath, where they say first I, we will do no harm. Any, any uh, pre-med majors or nurse, uh, nurse, nursing majors? We will do no harm. It's this commitment that I will do whatever's in the best interest of my neighbor. But that's a little more complicated than it sounds. It's a little trickier than it sounds. Let me, let me, let me give you an illustration as to why it's trickier than it sounds. One day, my son was coming out of the house, and as he was coming out of the house, he tripped, and I saw his face. I saw this in slow motion, okay? I saw his face, and it was headed toward the door that he was opening. And so I, being the kind and generous dad that I am, went to try to get, get his face to not hit the door, because I like my door. I'm kidding, no, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not totally beside the point. So as I'm trying to actually get his face and pull it away from the door, guess what I did? I pushed his face into the door, 
ruining both his face and the door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually, that's actually a funny story of how we can have the best of intentions, but we can do the most horrible of actions. We can have the best of intentions, but we can do the most horrible of actions. And that's actually what I want to talk about with this do no harm. Because doing no harm is actually a little trickier than it sounds. Yeah, we're like, okay, you shouldn't kick a neighbor. Yeah, we all know that. You know, you shouldn't punch a neighbor. Yeah, that's okay. We, we know that. But what does it actually mean to do no harm when we think, like, bigger than that? What does that actually mean? What, what does it mean for the flourishing of a community for me to engage in actions that do no harm to my neighbors? For example, let me, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. A couple of years ago, in Clarkston, Georgia, where we used to live, um, a Vietnamese girl was coming out of her home, a dark, uh, it, it, was, it was pretty dark, she was coming out of her home, and she was crossing the street to go to the school that was right across her apartment complex, and as she was crossing the street, a car went by with no lights and killed her, okay? It was a very, very tragic situation. This apartment complex, there are hundreds of kids that go to this school. And so this was a tragic situation. It shook up our whole community. And so we were all so shaken up because that girl was our, my, my kid's age, right? So we were very, very much shaken up. So I, I was moved emotionally by this. And I was like, is there anything I can do? So I go and I go, they, they, someone created a GoFundMe page and I'm like, I wanna go help. And I go to the whole GoFundMe page one day after it happened and people had already given $70,000. So I thought, that's, wow, that's amazing, as they should. We were moved emotionally to this. Now, back up from the story for a second. You know what we need? We need better lighting and we need a traffic light at that spot. Three years after this story happened, do you think that's actually been accomplished? Do you think anyone has actually taken on the idea of better lighting, better uh, painted sidewalks, or a traffic light? No, it's, nothing has changed. So one of the challenges that we have with doing no harm is that we think of the immediate, but we don't often think of the strategic and larger. We're moved emotionally for one thing, which we should, and that's good, but we don't think about the larger context that would prevent future events like this from happening. That's what we call relief and development. Thinking of both the immediate and the, uh, and the, and the, and the broader. So we're actually, I mean, this, this is so difficult to unpack that it would actually take a whole class. Well, we're actually gonna have a class this next spring called, if you can show the next slide, relief and development, and talk about these principles. How do these principles apply? How, how do I think about doing no harm in the context of a community, right? And this trip is gonna be attached to a 10-day trip to Nicaragua, where we're gonna be actually see these things fleshed out and actually how people are, uh, are uh, tackling this issue of relief and development. How do we tackle an issue so that we actually uh, do the initial part of uh, getting the initial, uh, the initial foundations set, but we also think of the continuing development of a community, right? Both are very, very important. So our first principle was? Oh, you guys are sleepy. First principle was? Our second principle was? And the third principle is? Do no harm. 
So as we think about our neighbors, as you think about the people that surround you, as you think about the people that you love who are not followers of Jesus, who are not in the church, the one another's are like a way for us to love them as Christ has loved us because our debt to them is rooted in our debt for Christ. He paid all of it, all of it for us, so we pay it forward. We always pay it forward. So um, one, we were driving through, um, we were driving through West Virginia one time, and I was, <clears throat> uh, I, we stopped at a Starbucks. We we like Starbucks. There's only one thing I like at Starbucks because there's only one thing I drink at Starbucks: white chocolate mocha, three pumps, uh, grande. If anyone wants to write it down, you know, you can put it in my office. Um, white chocolate, um, white chocolate mocha, three pumps. Okay, anyway. Um, and so we pull up at the Starbucks, and and it's uh, and so I'm I'm about to pay, and when I'm about to pay, the lady at the behind the counter says, "Oh no, actually, it's already been paid for." I'm like, "Wait, what?" They, she said, "The person in front of you actually just paid for you," and I was like, "Oh, that's so nice of them." So I took off and you know forgot to no, <laughs> I didn't do that. So I was like, hey, I'm, so I'm curious, how many, like, what car, what car number, like, how many people have done that? And she said, seven people. Seven people have just continued to pay for the next person. So I, I said, all right, well, just put the next one on mine. I don't know how many people there were. Um, but wouldn't that be, like, a really good principle? Wouldn't that be a really great way for us to think of? that we're always paying forward when we understand the, God, the love of God for us, and we're always just paying it forward because we understand that someone did it for us? Wouldn't that be a, like, wouldn't, wouldn't a Christian community that's always thinking of the best interest of neighbors, individually and collectively, transform and change this world? That's the invitation of this passage. It's not for the church, it's for the world. And so if we, if we can just Get these principles, I owe you, treat yourself, and do no harm. I think we have a chance to transform the world. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Your love for us is what all our one another's are rooted in. So I pray that we would do the I owe you kind of love, that we would be indebted to others, not because we owe them actually, but because we owe you, we owe you our everything a treat yourself kind of love that we would always think of how to treat others as we want to be treated, and a do no harm kind of love, a love that's always looking out for the best interest individually and collectively of communities, individuals, and societies. It's in your name we pray, amen.